Good to be back with you. Trisha and I had a, a couple Sundays off. We were on vacation and doing a little staycation, went to Erie, went to Hocking Hills State Park in, in, near Columbus, and uh, we, uh, I mean, I got back Wednesday morning and I went, boy, I got a lot to do. And so we really did disengage uh, quite a bit. And thank you for all the people who filled in and took care of things while we were gone. Um, <clears throat> We also do, and if you know this, but we, we do a program that's called Prepare and Rich. It is a, um, a pre-marriage, I, we call it counseling, but counseling is not the best word, uh, but kind of pre-marriage or marriage preparation is probably better uh, for that. And we talk to young couples uh, about lots of things. And we've also done this for, for marriage counseling as well, but they, they take a little assessment and we talk about money, we talk about um, conflict and fighting, we talk about communication. Uh, my favorite part is family of origin, and so we talk about how parents screw up their kids and then they become parents and screw up their kids uh, because we're all fallen, right? But we, we go through this process. We have lots of different topics. And we, 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 I have, it's my personal uh, conviction and, and uh, agreement. If a couple would like me to do their we- wedding ceremony, they have to go through that pre-marriage prep stuff with us. There's been a couple times I've made an exceptions. I mean, there was, uh, you know, a soldier heading off into, uh, in, into really literal battle. And so we, 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 made an exception there, but the, um, the requirement is that they do that, and ideally even like six months before they're married. And we tell them, though, we said, look, we're going through all this material, but you still won't be ready. There, there's so much you can say about getting ready for marriage, but we say, go ahead, do it, You're, since you'll never be ready anyway, just, just go, just go get married. Um, and there's been a couple months, once, once I refused to do the marriage, I said, this is, you guys are not ready. You're not, it's just a lot of issues going on. Another time there was a lot of warnings. But for the most part, they're, you know, they're all good, just go. But even though we spend a lot of time with them and they have a lot of homework we do, they won't be ready. There's, you just don't know. There's no crystal ball to tell them what they need to, to take care of. Uh, the, the, the reason I bring that up is because it's kind of like this letter to Timothy. There are lots of issues that Paul is going to bring up. And Tom last week mentioned that this letter essentially has two things in it. One, keeping purity of doctrine. And so you dealt with a little bit of that last week. It's going to come up again. The other thing is things of a household. So like these issues, we deal with a pre-marriage communication, uh, money, and, and arguing, and all those different things that we do. You can cover a lot, but you can't cover everything. And so that's what Paul's going to do. Starting today, he's going to say, look, this is how the household of God should be. These are some of the topics you, Timothy, need to talk to about this household of God in Timothy. And we kind of get to look over his shoulder and see that as well. And we have, we have, we're really doing this huge flyover. Uh, we could probably spend a year or at least, at least six months on this letter alone. But we're going to really uh, 
cover a, a, a lot real quickly and obviously not in a lot of detail. So the first thing, though, is Paul says after he gets done with the doctrine, he's now going to get into these household issues. What is he going to talk about first for Timothy to tell this church? So First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. He says, first of all, Hot topic here. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. All those words, supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings, those are all types and kinds of prayers that people can do. And then he gets specific. Well, for whom? For whom shall they pray? For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, this life he's talking about, uh, and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimonies given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. Telling the truth here, I'm not lying. The, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So he, if, if we remember, first of all, that when Paul wrote his letters, he didn't put chapter divisions in or verse divisions in. He's writing one long scroll. And, and those, those chapter and verse divisions were added later so we can find things about 1,500 years later. So you have to remember, Paul's just doing this one constant letter. He didn't even break for paragraphs. That's how they wrote. But, and so he had just finished in chapter 1 about two heretics named Hymenaeus and Alexander. And so the very next thing he says about these guys who are delivered over to Satan that they may be taught not to blaspheme, he says, now, in light of that, pray. First thing you need to do, you need to be praying. The household of God prays. We seek our heavenly Father first of all, do this. And he says very clearly, pray for all men, including these two guys, these two heretics, who you would think would be enemies. But it also includes someone else who's not stated here. When did Paul write this? What was going on in history? More than likely, it was written during the, the reign of a Roman emperor named Nero. Have you ever heard of him? The guy was nuts. He was nuts and he was cruel. He was, he was one of the most vicious Roman emperors. Him and Caligula, were, and there were others. They, I mean, there, were, there was a lot of dysfunction in that family. But, but he, he's writing during the reign of Nero. Nero was one of the first persecutors of the church. And you know what Paul says to do about Nero? Pray for him. Specifically, kings and those in authority. Nero used to cover Christians with tar and light them on fire to light the streets of Rome. That's how vicious he was. What do you do about him? Pray for him. You know why? You know why, church? Because God desires everyone to be saved. Even Nero? Yes. Pray for them. 
even if they're awful, even if they're ungodly. And he, he says there, there's a result of this. When believers are praying for these leaders, he says that we may live a quiet life. What, what is exactly? A peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So there's maybe something goes on where maybe God allows them some peace. Maybe that these, these rulers would just leave them alone. And so that is the response to the persecution and, and a result of that. We do not seek to get back at them or curse them, although God could do that. We see that in the scriptures that vengeance belongs to the Lord. He could take care of that. But it's critical to remember that Paul says, pray for these people even though they're persecuting you. All of them. And he goes on. Well, why pray? Why should we do that, Paul? That we saw the result to live a peaceful and quiet life. But another thing he says here is God likes it. God likes it when we do that. He says this is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. What? Praying for leaders. Praying for people. God likes it. He desires that. And he then brings in the gospel here. You know, Paul, Paul was kind of a one-trick pony. And his pony was called the gospel. He's always bringing it up. He's always bringing it up over and over again. I had a friend of mine say he was a Christaholic. He was addicted to Jesus. And so he cannot help but give this gospel message here. Pray for them. Pray that they would know there's one mediator, the man Jesus Christ, the only one who can get them to God. He's the ransom. He paid for their sins, as bad as their sins were are. Pray for them, that they might be saved. And you know, as, as Americans, we're a little bit feisty. We get a little upset. And we get, you know, start kind of saying things and doing things to, to kind of fight back. Folks, the instruction here is clear. Step one, pray for them. Pray for them. Doesn't matter how bad they are, how evil they are, how, how much damage they are doing to other people. I'm not saying you just sit back passively. But step one, folks, is prayer. Well, how is this done practically then as well. He's going to go on. I'm going to read another longer section, verses 8 through 15. And I got to say, just a little preview. These verses are a bit tricky. Uh, and uh, especially, ladies, I want you to know, you might read this and hear these and get a little bothered. But let's go through them and just begin to be really clear. There's, there's some parts I don't quite understand either. But let's walk through them together, all right? And I think once we get through that, you'll see, I'm, I'm not going to try to soften it just to soften it, but let's get a little better context of what it's talking about. So verse 8, he says, I desire then that in every place men should pray. All right, God, this is specifically to the guys. So because of this great need, he says, guys, men, take the lead here. Pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Again, we tend to anger and quarrel about what's going on, but pray first. Likewise, and that's an important word, also that women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Here we go. 
Let a woman quietly with all in submissive, or let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach, to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yes, she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So, ladies, there you go. Unless you have the baby, you're not saved. Anyone have a problem with that? I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's some theology questions I have about that. Hold on to that. We'll get to it. So again, men lead with prayer. And when, when men are doing what they're doing in God's household, they're leading spiritually. They're not venting. They're not being frustrated. They're, not, they're just doing what God has told them to do. Simply, men, pray. First thing of all, pray. Men, pray. Lift up your hands and pray. Heart, hands up and heart out, as people often say. Men should pray for everyone in all places. And it's plural, guys. It says men everywhere. Men, not man, not leaders, not pastors, not elders, the guys. Lead in this. And this is something that we've been, many of us have been praying for and seeking for within Zion to build a deep culture of prayer within our church here. And there are some things I've been, I've been doing. I've been, I've been trying, trying more and more to apply this to my own life. I've been working with other pastors in our area to get us to pray together. Uh, and also we're, we're working on it. We're not ready to quite pull the trigger. But in October, we're hoping to have a, um, a, a I hesitate to use the word conference because it's only three minutes. But uh, a, an event called Reclaim to encourage church leaders and pastors and elders to pray and seek the word as our primary job. And it's, again, it, it, we're hoping to do that here in this building uh, in October and bring in pastors from all of the area to be part of that. But anyway, um, and, and guys, you could join us. We, we meet here at 8 o'clock. We call it Review Preview. And we, will, we, we, we try to save time. In fact, we usually do time where we are praying uh, what we heard the previous week and then review, preview the, the current week. All right, so what about these verses about women? Well, obviously, you don't need to have a baby to be saved. Ladies, okay? So, it could be, I mean, just think how many theological problems that gives us. Uh, we know from Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Not believe and have a baby and you'll be saved. Okay? Just think of all the, the questions that come up. What if a young woman dies before she has a baby? What if a woman is barren? She never has a baby. Is she, I mean, there, there's just too many uh, questions that come up. We'll get to that one. But remember I told you there was an important word. Do you remember what that word was in that passage? No one remembers. Like Who said likewise? You get a free flower. Get a flower afterwards today. Um, yeah, but Trish brought, we had all that, all that storm that went through, just killed Trish's, not didn't kill him, but knocked over her hydrangeas. So please grab hydrangeas back there today. Likewise. So he says, men, pray likewise in the same way, just like the guys, ladies, guess what you're supposed to do too? 
pray. It's a very strong word. So just like the guys are praying, pray too. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, there was a group of people before the day of Pentecost, 120 of them in the upper room of just men. No, men and women. Who was at the tomb? Who was the first ones at the tomb? Women. Do you ever hear Deborah? Do you ever hear Lydia? Do you ever hear Phoebe? Read the end of Romans chapter 16, where Paul's commending some of, the, some of the leaders in the church. Almost half of them are women. Ladies, pray. Join us as a family, as part of a family of God, a household of God. Pray. But he has some additional instructions with them. He says, first of all, dress modestly, respect, respectfully. In other words, the focus is not on the outward adornment, but on the heart. The world's focus is on the outward beauty. When you look at a magazine cover, whether it's a really bad one or even just uh, uh, any ad or anything, that person actually doesn't exist. You ever hear the name Cindy Crawford, one of the first supermodels? You know what she said about the photos and ads she did? She says, I wish I looked like that. She doesn't exist. That picture doesn't exist because it's photoshopped and airbrushed and all those different things. The world focuses on outwardly. He says, no, women in your household focus on inward beauty. It really is the important part. It doesn't mean you can't ever dress up. And, it, and I know we read about braided hair. Um, you know, we got to think why they were doing it then and how, and how much time and effort it took. I think it's kind of like this, ladies, is, you know, around January, high school girls are making their hair appointments for the May prom. And they're spending, what it, how much does it cost to get your hair done for the prom? It was like a hundred bucks or something? I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never been to a prom. But, but, and then, then they don't wash their hair for like four days because they put so much money into it, right? And that's okay. You're going to the prom. Or, or when you get married, same kind of thing. Those special, you're not talking about that. He's not saying that's wrong. He's just saying, what if you did that every day and you put all that effort and time in just what that looks like? That's the kind of expression he's referring to. And then he says, and here he comes to, to listening submissively. Now, what is he talking about? What does he mean when he's talking about Eve was deceived? Now, there's, there's a couple different ways I've heard that interpreted. And the first interpretation, hear this clearly, the first interpretation I think is wrong. <laughs> but I've heard people say, well, what Paul's saying here is that women have this natural tendency to be deceived. That's just because Eve was, so all women are like that. They're just kind of naturally deceived. That doesn't make sense, in the, again, in the rest of the New Testament. What, it, what he's saying is, and this is what I, what I hold to, is because Eve was deceived, it's part of the consequence of her sin. It wasn't meant to be that way. Go way back into the fall, Genesis chapter 3. It says, God says, okay, the fall's here. Ladies, guess what? Because of this, as a consequence, you're going to have to subject yourself to your husbands. Well, I don't want it. We need to do this. So it's not that women 
are, have this natural inclen- tendency to be deceived. Remember chapter one, the two guys, the two heretics, they were guys. <laughs> that can't be what Paul means here. What he means is this is just part of the consequence of that fall. It won't be like that forever. There, there now has to be this order of things until Jesus comes back. Why does it need to be in order? Well, again, summarizing what Paul says, because Adam failed in his leading. Adam wasn't deceived. He just took the fruit and ate it. Why is, this, is there a need for this order? Because Eve was deceived. This order is a consequence, not a propensity of one gender or another. Think of it this way. Think of the fall this way. You know, we had a, you know we had a tornado watch last night? Yeah, there was a tornado warning. And if a tornado goes through or an earthquake in certain areas, sometimes it's devastating. And there's something called martial law that gets placed in certain areas for big disasters. And everyone rallies and is bringing food and bringing water. And people aren't worried about going to their jobs. They're just trying to get their food, shelter, and clothing together and and be safe. And... Martial law will be declared where the laws are more strict. There's maybe a curfew or something. Spiritually, folks, since the fall, we're under like a martial law. There needs to be some heavy controls on the, on the, the attitudes and actions of people. And I think it's very possible that those, thing, those controls are lifting and I want to get into right now is because we see evil and evil rising more and more these days but it won't be like that forever. In the new heaven and new earth, all the original creation will be restored. But as Paul says, the women teaching under authority, again, what's he talking about? And I admit, I want to admit to you, this one, this is hard to speak. So does that mean that Trish is sinning right now because she's teaching little boys downstairs? Is that what that verse means? See, again, there, there were women who were doing things in churches, even in the New Testament. So is that what Paul's talking about? Now, again, I'm, I'm gathering um, from chapter 3, because in a minute here, we're going to read about elders. Elders are men. It's clear. Elders, leaders of the church are men. I think what Paul means by that is women need to be under authority. If they're teaching, they're still under authority of, say, an elder team, like Zion has. So Zion has said, Trish, we're giving you authority, Trish and Christy and, all the, and Laura and others who teach downstairs to the, little, to, the, to the kids, we're giving you authority to teach. When, and I didn't mean to say this, but when Laura was up front here today, she was reading your scripture, she was teaching you. Well, she did that under the authority of the elders. So I think we're good. I think we're okay. The issue comes in is, is a woman doing an elder work? Is it, are they fulfilling an elder position? And so, um, it, it, and that's always not clear cut. But, it, but ladies, if you're bothered by that, that Paul's point is that's the result of the fall. That's just a consequence. It's also why birthing children are really, is really painful. It's a, con, it's a consequence of that. It wasn't meant to be that way. So, so um, we, we set up these roles of, 
of women are, are to be under the authority of the church leadership, which is guys. I think that's the light we need to look at that verse. But what's he, again, talking about having a child to be, to, to, to have a, um, uh, to be saved? Actually, that statement is a statement of great honor. Let me explain. Our current culture is confused over roles and gender, is it not? Yes. No idea what a woman and a man is anymore, according to the culture. But God established these roles, again, because of the fall, because of our propensities, and because of that, guys, men and women, need to be in prayer seeking God's will. As we look at this, that verse about being saved, let me just read it one more time. She will be saved through childbearing. What does that mean? The word for saved in, in the, Greek, the Greek language is sozo. All right? Now, it means I, I, I am saved or you are saved or whichever pronoun you want to put in front of it. It is the word that, say, Peter uses in Acts 2, which is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Exact same word. And some people say, well, there you go. It also has other meanings. You know when you look in a dictionary and, and you'll see, like, number one, number two, number three, you think of the word trunk, trunk of a tree, trunk of an elephant, trunk of a body. There are different definitions of the same word. Every language has that, including the New Testament Greek language. The word for sozo does mean salvation by grace through faith, but it also means preserved. It also means establishing a legacy. So, we, so in light of that, because it, it just can't mean you're, you're saved in, in going to heaven because you have a child. It con that would contradict the rest of the New Testament. It can't mean that. So we got to bring in the other verses to, to make that very, very clear. But ladies, it's really a statement of honor that as you have children or you help with children or you influence children in your life, um, you, are, you are carrying on a legacy to them. Your name and your influence is going to have an impact. Who do football players say hi to when the camera's on them? Hi, Mom. Because she has an opportunity to impact this life. And you know, this was true for Timothy. The legacy of his mother and his grandmother continues to this day. We know their names. They're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He, he says, hey, Paul says, Timothy, remember the faith of your mother and grandmother, Lois? And now I can't remember the other one. I just said we could. <laughs> remember their names? Remember them? He didn't talk about his dad. We don't know who his dad was. But that's what Paul's talking about. Not that you'll be saved, but you'll have a legacy, ladies, of carrying on some impact in your kids' lives. That's what he's, what he's referring to. So um, why, why do English translations continue to do this? Uh, I don't know. I've not been on a translation committee uh, you got to have like seven PhDs to do that kind of work. But, uh, my, you know, should I irritate people? I'll irritate you. Here's my theory. 
Um, the, the first English translation was the King James Bible. That's the way they translated it in 1611 and in current revisions. And sometimes English translations copy what King James does and, didn't, and don't bother to, to check it out. If you look at more modern translations, you'll see some differences. Tree of Life translation, get, huh? Sustained. Women shall be sustained through. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a better way, I think, to express that. But it's just sometimes they don't stop to think, hey, should we, should we really say that uh, and look at it? Uh, there's other examples, too, of how uh, English translations have kind of copied each other over the years. That I, is that what exactly what happened? Again, I don't know. I wasn't there at the committee. But that's my theory. All right, now, let's got to move on because there's a lot to cover. And we have communion today. And just so you know, we're going to save announcements for the end of the day. So don't run out after our fourth song, okay? Um, just real quickly here in chapter 3, I want to give you some prayer requests for specifically myself and Tom and the whole elder team. And they're here in this passage. How can you pray for your leaders? Well, there are requirements. There are qualifications for overseers or elders. Let me just read these for you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. Therefore, an overseer, an elder, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he care for God's church? He must be not be a recent convert, he, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. That's serious. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Can I just be as blunt as I can be about this? If you took that list, one or two of those qualities, and you said, Pastor Joe, I'm going to pray that you're going to be a self-controlled person. Pastor Joe, I'm going to pray that that money doesn't get a hold of you and you don't become a lover of money. I'll float on that for weeks, quite honestly, to know that people are praying for those kind of things. Because as elders, Tom and I have been evaluated by the other elders and other people in the church, and we've been deemed to meet those qualifications, but we're certainly not there yet. One of them is quick to anger. Boy, Wednesday... I got really angry for about five seconds. I was just glad I was not armed. Got really mad. And it came out. Oh, I got some more work to do in my heart. Don't think you're going to offend me. Well, I I know you're not an angry guy. It's like, yeah, really, I am. But you're not. Would you, would you please, I'm begging you, be praying for me and Tom and the elder team? And by the way, because we're the only two elders here, does that mean you're free from the, of those qualifications? Oh, well, I'm not an elder. I could be mad all I want. I'm not an elder. I could love money. Is that what that means? Nope. So maybe there's some things in there for you as well. Paul's 
qualifications for deacons goes on. We're going to pass that for the moment, but we all should seek for those. And finally, as we finish, finish off here, kind of land our plane, the house of God shows uh, the truth of godliness through Christ. And this is also the theme verse for the book. In, in 3.14, he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I delay, and here's, here's the whole summary of the, of the letter. It, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. We saw that today, right? How do we behave, men and women? We pray. Thank you. We, we do things according to the authority that God sets down. We, 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 we make sure that our leaders are qualified. That's how we behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And here's the other part of his letter, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And now Paul will give the, uh, a, uh, a kind of a poem, possibly even one of the first New Testament hymns. He says, great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, Jesus, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. That's Jesus. This godliness is seen through Christ. Jesus is the bullseye of the church. So getting back to now the so what, the application, prayer is the language spoken in the household of God. How are we doing on that? We've been growing in that. We have more, we have more growth to do. In fact, we're never going to say, oh, we're, we're a model praying church. I don't think we'll ever say that because I don't think any church should but we can, we can be even better. I want to encourage you, if you, uh, um, well, on two things. When we do our pause and pray time, please be sure if you're not praying out loud, to, you're, you're praying along with us quietly together. If you've never prayed out loud in a group, and I know it's a little, maybe a little intimidating, but folks, be, be, be okay. You're among friends. We are, we're all part of a family here. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't, you don't have to use these and thous and fancy language. Maybe it's just something easy that you just want to say out loud. Let's be ready to move forward on this. Because this is the, that prayer is where we're doing the battle. Prayer is where we're seeking God's will for our church. Prayer is, is how we, we all remain. Because as we saw how the women were remain. Uh, submissive to their husbands, well, the husband's got to be submissive to God. And we do that through prayer. Pray for your leaders, all of them, in and outside the church, living under these, these God-given roles. Speaking of our pause and pray time, we'll do this and then our communion. Um, let's, let's remember, first of all, Jesus is the glorious one. I know we have a song like that, but, but that's how he ended chapter 3. There's a couple of references that Paul talks about the glory of Christ. So this is just if you want to praise him as he is the glorious one. Pray for Tom and I that, that we might grow in, and you could look back at that list. I pray they would grow in this way. Pray maybe for a public leader. Why? That they might come to Christ. That's our response to them. So um, let's pause and pray together. If you like to pray out loud, please do, but join us regardless. Clothed in majesty, and we are looking forward to when you come back in the clouds with, with, 
myriads and myriads of angels following you, riding your horse with, with um, righteousness and truth as your banner. And so we, we want our community, we want our, our leaders, we, we pray for them, uh, especially, Lord, we, we think of, I know, often national leaders or state leaders. But, God, we want to lift up, too, our, our local leaders, especially this week as um, uh, the schools are firing back up again. Uh, for uh, the the administrators and staff and district leaders and uh, teachers and and um, people who are leading the other departments, Lord, we just we pray for them. We they do not know you, that they would bow their knee to you. We'd have opportunity to show them this message, this gospel message of Jesus Christ, who is the ransom, who now sits at the right hand of God in all glory and honor, that we indeed might be saved. No one gets points. No one gets any special privilege. If they are a president or prime minister or, or dictator or whatever they might be over a, a country, they need Jesus. They need their sins paid for. Uh, and so we, we do, Lord, pray for your um, uh, work in their lives. And, Lord, as we get our hearts ready now for communion, for the, the time where we remember the broken body of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed as a new covenant promise that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would search our hearts, our minds, uh, anything that we might need to get right before you and be able to, to remember and memorialize these times, uh, this time of what you have done for us. In your name and according to your will, we pray. Amen. So we will play uh, some music as we often do, uh, and then uh, come up when you're ready. Worship team, when you're ready, come on up, and we'll finish off our worship time and then our announcements. If you don't bring them back, that's fine. If they break, that's fine, or bring them back. It doesn't matter, but please take the flowers. A um, couple of things. Uh, 27th, August 27th, please write that down. The, the kids downstairs have invited us for a potluck. And so, which means we have to bring the food. But um, they, they fill up their marble jars, and they all wanted to throw water balloons at me. And so uh, you, get, you can maybe even do that. So we do appreciate our kids' ministry people and uh, for teaching our kids uh, for all those things. that They've been working on First Timothy, too. So uh, just put that in. We'll have a potluck on the 27th. It's not Labor Day weekend. It's the weekend before, okay? Second, um, thank you. First of all, I was so encouraged. I came in and I saw so many sign-ups for the teacher luncheon on the 21st. We, uh, if you're bringing anything, next Sunday is the last day before that because it's a Monday. Um, what I really, I mean, check it out, or if you just want to get, you know, some cash or whatever, that's fine. Um, but I could really use at least one more person on Monday morning to cook baked potatoes. All right, so look at that um, or anything else that's on that list that you want to bring because uh, we'll do that baked potato bar uh, for, the, um, for the teachers on, on the 21st, as I said. All right, now, um, we're going to do something a little bit different this year. You know, we normally have our 40-day focus. This one's... This one's 40 plus. And we've been, little did we know, God's been working through us to help us focus on him. For example, I mentioned prayer. 
Praying is not the end game. Getting to know God is the end game. That's, that's just how we do it. Uh, and one of the means that we're able to, uh, to get to know him more. We're going to start for really from the uh, Sunday after Labor Day all the way up until the Sunday before Thanksgiving, something called experiencing God. And um, I'm, I'm only very clear, we're not relying on a curriculum, but this is, this is something that has been shown to be very powerful to draw people to him, to draw us to him. I think the times are very ripe for every church to avoid being lukewarm. And this is something that has a tendency to really fire us up because it's going to keep bringing us back to the Lord. But folks, let me be clear. This is going to take some more effort and even some money. Um, there is a workbook. There are five lessons a week. There's, there's a meeting. Uh, now, if all you can do, it, not, I shouldn't say all, but if you come on Sunday, you're really going to be, yeah, say, boy, every, I'm going to be here every Sunday for, for the experience of God time. God's going to bless you, you but, because you'll see him. Uh, if you say, I'm going to get the workbook and I'm going to work through it every day, you're just adding on top of that. And then you say, well, I'm going to go to one of the small groups. And the ladies' small group is doing it. We have our Tuesday night group, group, group doing it. And I'm going, we're going to just open up a lot of other days where people can come, maybe possibly even Saturday morning and some others, and say, come and join us. Uh, and there'll be even more of that. But we're diving deep here. And you think, you know, the book, frankly, is 20 bucks. Uh, we have a youth part of it, too. We're going to have um, our, our, our teens, junior high and high schools, are going to have an opportunity to do so the similar material, but, for, but be, it'll be written for, for them. The kids are going to be doing it as well downstairs. And so you'll all be on the same track. And so I'm saying, look, take, take, a, take a shot here and say, okay, I'm, I may need to give something up. I may need to give up some time doing something else. You have to know and understand it will be worth it. And so um, I want to encourage you that. We're going to show you a video on this, um, and then we'll be just about done. Uh, I just read yesterday there is a star 28 billion light years away, and God made that all that far. But he wants to be close to us too, to you. And this is just, this is, think of this as, as, um, as, a, as a retreat, as a focus. We're going to hit this and, uh, and ask you to join us in committing in that. Whatever part of that you can commit to, you will find um, more and more being in touch and being in awe of our God in heaven. All right? Uh, and so I, probably this week we'll, we'll start um, getting an idea. I expect to have the books here uh, and available for you as well. But if you wanted to get, you can go on lifeway.com and order the workbook. Uh, yourself, but uh, we should have some copies available here. Thank you for staying around a little bit longer. Have a wonderful day. One more thing. If anybody needs a new pet, there's a nice big spider hanging oh. on the wall.